emotions or feelings that are evoked. Perhaps there are thoughts that are stirring in your mind. What do you sense in your body as you take in this art that's connected to our story? I wonder today, this morning, in the darkness of the sanctuary, what questions do you bring to Jesus? What questions might you bring this morning? As we proceed through this text, one of the things that this fourth gospel, this gospel of John, is um, a bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that in John we find stories of long, long dialogue, um, long and drawn-out stories, um, interactions between Jesus and a number of people. The wedding at Cana has just happened. He has conversation with his mom uh, there. It's just taken place. And the story that's in the next chapter is Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman, at the well. Another long conversation indeed. That story we will take a look at next week as we continue our show us Lenten journey. So there are many directions in which we could head this morning, proceed, because it's just, it's just there's so much here to, to look at. Um, so I have many little things to look at, and then we'll have uh, bring it all together in the end, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, we'll just start uh, with the text again. Now, there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, also known as the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So let's just start with Nicodemus. It's just, it's just worth noting as you look at this story, as compared to next week with the woman at the well, that Nicodemus receives, it says his name is, is given. And the Samaritan woman's name is not given. The stories are similar in that they meet with Jesus. For Nicodemus, under the cover of night, perhaps not to be seen by his peers. And the woman at the well meets with Jesus in the middle of the day perhaps not to be seen by her peers, where they would draw water in the morning when it's the coolest. The Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin at the time of Jesus was believed to be made up of two-thirds Sadducees, one-third Pharisees. So Nicodemus is from a minority faction. And if there, was, if there was to be support for Jesus, 
coming from the Sanhedrin, it would not be surprising that the support would come from the Pharisee part of the Sanhedrin. Jesus had more in common with Pharisees than he did with the upper class of Sadducees. It's believed that even some of the Pharisees relied, uh, really were torn between following this new Jesus movement or living in the status quo of the corrupt religious system that they were a part of. So Nicodemus says, we know. We know. Well, who's the we? we he is speaking for perhaps other Pharisees. And he acknowledges, acknowledges that Jesus is, in fact, he comes from God because of the signs and wonders that had taken place. Now, they are impressed. Jesus, from the chapter before, not so impressed, even with his own signs, right? We're not given much on just how Nicodemus became a Pharisee, became a teacher of the law, only that a Pharisee and a teacher in Israel, you would have to have massive, massive amounts of knowledge, education, and training in the Hebrew scriptures in order to be a, a teacher, right? Massive, massive amounts of knowledge, education, and training. So therefore, what often happened for Pharisees, potentially, and this is probably true for any of us that accumulate knowledge upon knowledge, is that when you study so much, your faith and trust can begin to be rooted in their own knowledge rather than in God. So Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, teacher of Israel, the best of the best, knowledge upon knowledge. And yet Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. The question is why? As I ponder this text and I think through this, why does Nicodemus come to Jesus? Intrigued by the signs? Yes. Wants to see what all the buzz and all the talk is about? Yes. Wants to see if Jesus measures up with the other teachers of the law? For sure. But in the realm of the benefit of the doubt, I think that, Jesus, that Nicodemus is simply seeking. He's seeking more. Perhaps Nicodemus in his life, in his pursuit of God, knowledge upon knowledge, maybe has a sense Okay, I've learned all these things. Is this all there is? Is this it? There's got to be more. Have you ever had an experience like that of Nicodemus? Maybe in your own life's journey, pursuit of heavenly things. Is this all there is? Or the opposite could be true. You may think that in, a, in the life of a man who has accumulated a lot of knowledge, reaching the pinnacle as a teacher of Israel, might be tempted to settle into what, he has known, what is known, just to settle with what he knows. Maybe. Yet I think Nicodemus is seeking. I think he is seeking, desiring, longing for more, which is inherent in his conversation that uh, Jesus continues Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So here, Jesus explains, to see the kingdom of God, one needs to be born again. And some translations have it to be born from above. To be born again, to be born from above. Jesus here is speaking of something to Nicodemus's defense that simply does not make sense here. Does not make sense upstairs. Doesn't make sense. Thus revealing, to Nic- uh, revealing that if Nic- Nicodemus cannot understand it here, then how can it be true? How can it be real? So I think the main idea, one of the main ideas of the story is that knowledge here simply isn't enough. But that this narrative is about revelation rather than knowledge. It's about revelation. It represents a new vision of life, new ways of being in the world and doing in the world rather than merely understanding the old version of life or the old vision of life better. As we continue on, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. So this may seem like a tangent, and it is. So, <laughs> But in, in my study, I found that for water, the element of water, water has an ancient understanding that is tied to the feminine. It's tied to the feminine. Water is obviously connected to, to nature and to earth. It knows no obstacle going around, under, through. It always seeks its lowest level. Water is also a decomposer. And over time, it ultimately is more powerful than any other form of matter. And again, it's tied to the feminine. That's the water. On the other hand, the spirit. The spirit has an ancient understanding and it's in a, in a masculine form. It's airborne, wild, free. It has a trajectory. It's heading somewhere. Although we don't know where, the spirit is both creative and chaotic, unpredictable and dangerous, inspiring and irrational. The masculine. So why am I rambling about feminine and masculine? Could it be that someone who is born of water and spirit is about the decon uh, I can't say that is about uh, the decomposition. De- 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 thank you. I want to say okay, because okay, the decomposition of the old and the generation of the new. Decomposition of the old and the generation of the new. To be born of water and spirit is to be born out of a union of the feminine and the masculine the female and male archetypes. Taken together, it's a symbol of a healthy ego development, what Carl Jung would refer to the birth of self. So in speaking of water and spirit, is Jesus speaking of the union of all opposites? The coming together of water and spirit may be about a mutual valuing and integration of the other. So we continue. You should not be uh, surprised by saying, uh, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, 
but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. So again, Nicodemus, perhaps stuck in his head, how can this be? Maybe stuck in his certainty, perhaps relying on his knowledge and also his experience, maybe a little too much. In his encounters with people, Jesus often finds an area of vulnerability as the point of transformation. We see this time and again in Jesus' interactions. We'll see it next week with Jesus and the woman at the well. We know some of her things. Jesus used that as a point of transformation. The rich young ruler, the love of money and possessions, Jesus invites transformation when he invites them to let go of those idols, an area of vulnerability. And for Paul, it is the mysterious thorn in his side. Paul begs God to remove it. But here is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So I think for Nicodemus, the point of transformation is his knowledge or his certainty. How can? How can it be? Jesus meets the the Pharisees' literal-mindedness with a wild, imaginative metaphor. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is everyone born, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus confronts Nicodemus's knowing with the essential necessity of unknowing. The wonderful anonymous work of the 14th century, The Cloud of Unknowing, gives uh, this following idea God can be loved, but not thought. By love, God can be grasped and held, but by thought, neither grasped nor held. Mystery. Unknowing. Faith. Born from above. Born of spirit. So on with our dialogue. You are a teacher, uh, Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but, you, but still, you people are, do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So again, here we have that which can be known can be known, earthly things, and that which cannot be known, heavenly things. It cannot be known because it's only revealed. It's revealed in mystery. And with mystery, this Holy Spirit is wild and free and will move in ways that we simply cannot understand. Can I get a witness to that, anybody? have seen the Spirit move in ways that we cannot understand. Maybe you've seen it in your own life. Maybe in the life of somebody else. In a situation. 
So to bring conclusion, um, we, we continue on in the story. No one has ever gone into heaven except for the one who came from heaven, that is the Son of Man. Just as Moses was lifted up in, as a snake, uh, uh, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. I think what John is doing in this narrative is, is brilliant, to say the least. It's as if he had help writing it. It's a joke. Okay. Holy Spirit-inspired scripture. Okay. This, this, <laughs> this reference of must be lifted up, must be lifted up, moves the reader both backward and forward from the present moment. It moves the reader backward to the Hebrew scriptures of no and in Numbers, where we read of God, who has become weary of the grumbling and thankless Israelites in the desert, and he sends a plague of venomous snakes upon them. Bitten by a venomous snake, people are dying. Then the people repent from this plague. Uh, the result, this, you know, they repent of their sin, ways that they have missed it, and the Lord commands Moses to make a bronze snake and lift it up on a pole, so that whenever someone was bitten by a venomous snake, they could look at the snake and be healed. They look at the snake and be healed, saved from death. This passage then looks forward in its anticipation of the cross. It looks forward to Jesus and the crucifixion. And if it looks backwards towards Israel, and that's about healing, then we can look at the cross perhaps not about punishment or payment, but rather healing as well. As the venomous snake represents the deadly consequences of sin, and the bronze snake brings life and healing, so we can conclude that the consequences of sin that abound in our, our lives, the cross itself is the agent of our, our salvation and our healing as well. Jesus is elevated both physically and metaphorically so that the whole world can see God's great act of redemption and healing. The moment when the giving of his son, spoken about in John 3.16, is made manifest. So let's return to the painting, the picture. When I've sat uh, this week and looked and pondered this, um, what I see, I see divine presence. Yeah. Jesus is just present to Nicodemus. And I also see just a genuine seeking, searching, and longing for from Nicodemus. At first, Nicodemus doesn't get it. That is, until he does. Again, teacher of Israel, highly respected, all kinds of religious authority, knowledge upon knowledge, 
just doesn't get it. Confused about this new idea about what it means to be born again, to be born from above. Now, if we were to stop the story of Nicodemus here, and we had judgment on Nicodemus's life, it would not be a positive one. Nicodemus meets Jesus in the dark of night, hears from Jesus himself about this mystery of a second birth and the spirit that cannot be understood, and he simply cannot shake his old ideas or practices. So he eventually fades into the scene, returning to his life as a Pharisee. But Nicodemus' story is not over. Well, we read a bit further in this story. This is chapter 3. We go to chapter 7. Nicodemus surfaces for a second time. This time, in the light of day. And defends Jesus, asking the chief priest to allow Jesus to speak for and defend his ministry. Then there's a third time that we are introduced to Nicodemus. In chapter 19, again, in the light of day, to, to claim Jesus' dead body from the tree, along with Joseph of, of uh, Arimathea, to give the rabbi a proper burial. May this serve as a reminder that the spirit blows where it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. It is easy to judge Nicodemus in this first interaction. Or it's easy to, to judge God's ability to be at work in the life of whom God loves. God has been, God is, and God will continue to be at work. We, we find this in Scripture. Jesus said to, said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and, and I too am working. God is faithful. God is faithful. So there's a, um, kind of a reflection time here, and what I want to do is, is make this uh, at the bottom of the slide. My father is always at his work to this very day. So what we're going to do is I just want um, to pause, and we're going to... Um, Ask the Spirit, ask, ask God to call to mind a person who at this point in their life's journey seem to be uninterested in heavenly things. Maybe they were at one point, but maybe have no longer. So let's just pause and we'll hold a, a person in, in, in our minds, in our hearts. So that now that we have that person in our mind and hearts, let us say together, my father is always at his work to this very day. Uh, next, let's look at a situation. One in which perhaps you are looking, desiring resolve. 
Maybe it's a relationship. Let us pause and just call to mind and call to our hearts this. And let us remind ourselves that my father is at his work to this very day. Next, we have a hope. What's the hope that you have that you carry in this Lenten season? Let us say together, my father is always at his work to this very day. Next, we go to an illness. Who comes to your heart and mind when you think of the physical body? Let us remind one another, my father is always at his work to this very day. Next, a restlessness, perhaps a restlessness in your soul. Let us name that. together, my father is always at his work to this very day. Maybe in this season you seem to be carrying a fear, a fear of something, a fear of unknown, a fear of what tomorrow will bring. Let us hold that together. And again, my father is always at his work to this very day. And finally, maybe we carry with us a wound of some sort, a wound from our past, our childhood, or maybe even something recently inflicted. And again, my father is always at his work to this very day. Amen.
Is that any better to hear it? Hey. Uh, yes, children are released to Sunder. I think I'm at the right time. Am I at the right time? Okay. Uh, if you will stand as we sing, uh, will you come and follow me?
Now is your opportunity to contribute a praise or a prayer request. Um, Willis has the microphone. Please, please raise your hand. I went to the hospital, um, yeah, to see a doctor this past Wednesday to see about my arm, and um, I found out it was something other than my arm. Uh, I don't think the other doctor told me what it was, so um, I found out that I had um, bone spurs and a little bit of arthritis on my neck. C6 and C7, and it's been causing my arm to feel kind of weird, and um, he told me to take some sort of medicine to see if it's going to do any good, and if it doesn't hurt, doesn't help, he's going to have me come in and take a MRI again, and um, see what else is causing it, or what else is going on, and I was wondering if I can get a little prayer to make sure nothing too serious. God, we pray for wisdom um, for Michael and those caring for him and for relief of pain um, on this uh, journey. And your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Sherry Garber. There are hardly words for me to express. Uh, Gary and I's hearts are filled with joy this weekend. Our sons are all home with their families, and we have extended family from Indiana, and our family from Matamora that lives next door to us. God is so good, and we are so thankful, and all of you folks are just a joy and a blessing. Eduardo was back with his family that you remember he was here when in 1995 and lived with us for a year and exchange students in Brazil. He and his wife and little girls are here, and it has mm. just been a joy for us to have our sons and families together. And we thank all of you for being a part of our lives as well. Thank you. Welcome. God, you are very good. All praise is yours and your mercy, Lord. Here are tradition of Christian spirituality and included in this unknowing is letting go of our goals and our thinking and need to understand and even our speaking <laughs> just kind of letting it go and being open to the Holy Spirit so that was helpful thank you Jan Unsicker announcement Tomorrow night is when we pack our snack pack lunches. We'll be doing 500 again, and it's at the Open Arms Food Pantry at 6 o'clock, and we need some help. Thank you. Thank you for the snack pack project. Uh, we pray for a good evening tomorrow evening, and your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer.
Friends, let's continue in prayer. Thank you for the joy of gathering for worship on Jesus' resurrection day and all of our varieties. Worship that shapes and sustains us. Our help does come from you, Lord, maker of heaven and earth. For all the amazing ways we have experienced your keeping on our journeys this week, all praise is yours. With Abraham and Sarah, even Nicodemus, we believe that you are able to do what you have promised. Jesus, thank you for coming from the Father to save us and the world you love, even through death and lifting up and resurrection. Thank you for Eric's message this morning. Flesh and water is not all there is. There's more, the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the new birth, which brings flesh and water and the Holy Spirit together, and we experience in our baptism. Holy Spirit, thank you for working freely in this world. Help us along with Nicodemus to see the kingdom of God. Show us during this Lenten season who Jesus is. Thank you for interceding for us. You have heard our praises and requests. Again, we celebrate your good gifts shown in Joanne Newman's life. Also in Gary and Sherry Garber's anniversary, thank you. Please bless all our families. We pray for your world that you love. We pray for refugees who are far from home in search of a safe and decent life. We pray for peace. Please guide the planning for our Colombian friends who will be visiting us this summer or fall. Prepare our hearts to receive them as they share themselves and the gospel and how the Holy Spirit is working freely. Gospel through their eyes and in their context. We bring other concerns we carry in our hearts. Keep us on our journeys this week. We trust that you will provide each day to bring flourishing and life to our work and rest and play. Now we pray with Jesus, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.